Hi, my name is Ante Rončić, and this is The Craft of Living. So for those of you who are familiar with some of the previous episodes, you might know how this podcast initially came about. Um, I first started a channel, a YouTube channel, where I was doing simply different kinds of themes and topics on the craft of living. And then some people suggested, well, you know, why don't you have an audio version of this? You know, I, I like to listen to audio. I cannot always you know, watch YouTube. And so then I said, well, you know, let, let me do it. I mean, I'm doing these episodes, these, um, yeah, these episodes on YouTube. Why not simply then have also a podcast version? And then later I introduced what I call the craft of living bites, which are sort of specific, actionable insights, tools that connect with the craft of living, but things that we can actually implement in life, right? These are ideas or strategies uh, from my own experience and what I've gleaned from others, which I share on a regular basis and which is, and these episodes are not available on my YouTube channel. And of course, I'm always thinking, you know, how can I develop this podcast? Like, what is, how is this going to look like in the future? Like, what is really my voice? What is the purpose of all of that? And I think I know the purpose. Um, it is this, again, idea of the art of living, but there are different approaches to that. And so today, I'm introducing a different type, a different category of my podcast episodes, and they will have a different musical intro, so you will be able to see the difference. They will be titled different, different, and I will call them the craft of living meditations. So here I will share some ideas, more kind of reflective pieces, either quotes from some books that have been important for me. Uh, the spiritual dimension of the craft of living is going to be way more pronounced. I am a, a theologian, an ethicist, um, a practicing believer. So there is no reason for me not to be more overt about that aspect. Because for me, the craft of living is inseparable from the spiritual dimension of my existence. And today... Perhaps a good way to introduce this new category is to share a book that has been instrumental in my spiritual growth, has impacted me very significantly. And I have to tell you the backdrop story before I mention what the book is. So this must have been a couple of years ago, I really hit a dry spot in my spiritual life. You know this experience, you know, the Bible talks about the old wineskins and the new wineskins. And I kind of, you know, was using that imagery to describe that. It seems to me that I have arrived at a point in life where the old wineskins simply don't work for me anymore. And by that, I mean, perhaps even you know, old categories or books, books that used to speak to me. They don't do the job anymore. And I was looking for a new spiritual, yeah, I would say vocabulary, uh, spiritual insight, something that I connect, could I could connect with, you know, more, more deeply, if I can, 
I think that's the way, right? Where I could be more affected by, moved by, spoken to by in a, in a new way. And so I call up my friend who was an informal spiritual guide to me for many years. And I described my predicament and he recommended a book to me. And it just so happened that I bought that very same book a day or two before. I have no idea how I found it. I just, I just bought it on Amazon. And when he mentioned the title, the very same author and book, then I said, well, I have to read that. It was really serendipitous and providential. And, and the book in question is the book by Christian Wyman, My Bright Abyss. And I, I imagine that in the coming weeks and months, I will be sharing you know, different insights from his work and how it has affected me. But today I want to read to you a quote that appears on page 35 of his book. And it speaks about Gerard Manley Hopkins, you know, a poet and priest who died very young when he was 45. But he begins the paragraph by telling us Hopkins' final words just before he died. And he said, I'm so happy, I'm so happy, I loved my life. Wyman continues, how desperately we, the living, want to believe in this possibility, that death could be filled with promise, that the pain of leaving and separation could be, if not a foretaste of joy, then at least not meaningless. Forget religion. Even atheists want to die well, or want those they love to die well, which has to mean more than simply a quiet resignation to complete annihilation. That is merely a polite nihilism. No, to die well, uh, Wyman argues, even for the religious, is to accept not only our own terror and sadness, but the terrible holds we leave in the lives of others. At the same time, to die well, even for the atheist, is to believe that there is some way of dying into life rather than simply away from it, some form of survival that love makes possible. I don't mean by survival merely persisting in the memory of others. I mean something deeper, more durable. If quantum entanglement is true, if related particles react in similar or opposite ways, even when separated by tremendous distances, then it is obvious that the whole world is alive and communicating in ways we do not fully understand. And we are a part of that life, part of that communication, even as, maybe even especially as, our atoms begin the long dispersal we call death. So when I read this, I was really deeply moved by his words. Because it seems to me that whatever we mean by the craft of living, if we can think about some ultimate outcomes, they certainly have to do with this ability or this gift or this grace to be able to look 
back at our lives once they are facing their end. To look back and to be able to say, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I loved my life. Because invariably the, que- invariably the question is, like, what kind of a person would you need to be? What kind of world outlook, what kind of faith, what kind of character would you need to have to be able to say, I'm so happy, I'm so happy, I love my life. What kind of existence would you need to live to have in order to be able to say words like this once you are on your deathbed? And so I think this is incredibly important. Of course, for many believers, both in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the New Testament, you know, the Bible, the idea of hope is quite central. And hope is described more as simply an expectation of eternal life. It is described as life energy, life pulsating energy that gives us strength and perseverance and resilience and also an element of contentment that is so essential to the art of living. Like when when the Bible describes someone like Abraham who died uh, with the fullness of life, being satiated with life, where, where, where death is not described as some horrible, dark experience. I mean, we can only hope and desire to one day have that kind of sentiment. Now, due to the brevity of life and everything that happens, like few of us will say, okay, I lived enough, right? And and, and for me now, I can simply uh, pass away. But this experience of Hopkins, being able to say, I loved my life. That is awesome. And it is something quite different, right? Than when, what Nietzsche says when he offers us a philosophy of life affirmation, right? His famous idea of, of eternal recurrence, this idea that you should be able to say, I want to live again. I want to live again. The same life over and over and over again for all eternity. Not living it and then making different life choices, but affirming the kind of life that you lived with all its tragedies and difficulties and wishing it to be for it to be so again and to live it again. That is what he means by this affirmation of life, saying yes to life. This, what Hopkins is offering, is a different life affirmation. It is still a life affirmation and has some resonances with what I believe Nietzsche wanted to say. But this is a life affirmation certainly rooted in faith and with hope in eternal life. And this was the point of Wyman's kind of elaboration on that when he is writing about us continuing to exist in a sense that is more deeper, more durable, in a way that that only 
you know, only, only divine love can make something like that possible. So as we are artisans of living and existence, I, I pray for divine grace that we might have that feeling of contentment that Hopkins expressed, but combined with a deep, living, transforming, pulsating hope that there is something more to us than this earthly existence. So in closing, I wish that divine grace might instill in you both a deep sense of contentment and life satisfaction and everything that is needed for us to have that and also a life abiding hope that there is something more to this life than just this existence. Blessings to you. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.